What's going on, everybody? This episode is sponsored by Delete Me. It is a uh, good day inside of Ukraine. There's well, there's M1 Abrams that are apparently landed. There's M1 but- Abrams that are in countries. Unless you talk, and, and it's funny is like this first article that we have pulled up on the Abrams, like specifically says, you know how you were talking about, hey, um, the Abrams are not going to change the game. Yeah, uh, yeah. So now we have a Ukrainian general um, that that's, we're going to talk about here in just he a little bit. It. That's essentially he's like, hey, you got to use these things strategically because if we just throw them into the like I got to bleep that out. If we just throw them into the fire, they're going to get freaking schwacked, you know. So we got to use them strategically, otherwise they're going to get they're going to get wrecked. Um, I got some video footage off the front line in Verbov, believe it or not, man. Ah, good. Yeah. This but, is this is a good good start of my day. Yeah, and so the video footage from Verbov. Remember how we said that whole place is basically turning into like a steel graveyard? Yep. Yeah. So it looks like is a that PO- true? Hundred percent confirmed. With this video. You decide when I show you this okay, video. Cool. I like it. And so it looks like a truthfully, it looks like a POV from a Russian standpoint. Um, from like a Russian drone that was scanning the area, but it's, it's bad, man. It's pretty bad. And on addition to all that, um, I found some information looks like last night. Okay. So we're filming what September 27th at about 10 o'clock in the morning central time. And it looks like last night, Ukraine launched a major assault down on Verbov. And I've got some information that came out of it where Russians are basically describing it as a freaking, I don't know. Like hell on oh, earth. Oh, good. Like what Ukraine's throwing at them. But Way to go. Whether or not Ukraine's made those advances. So yeah. we're going to talk about that when we go through the map update and some of the other stuff that's going on. Also, information about the F 16s came out. Say, so, so I actually golfed yesterday with a F 16 pilot, an old school one. Oh, cool. And I found out, <clears throat> I don't know, he, he flies. Long story short, I learned a lot about flying yesterday. I, I don't know. He, it's like, a lot like, dude, I, I, a lot of the language that pilots use, snipers use. Well, and so my brother-in-law is a pilot. I didn't know that. Yeah. So my okay. brother-in-law is a pilot. So we'll sit there and we'll go back and forth about all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of the same. Lingo. Well, this guy now is older. He's been flying for American for 38 years. Oh, he flies Ameri- for American. Now he does. Yeah. Good for him. For, yeah. No, good for him. But he also owns a hundred. Uh, this, I know it's a little bit off, off topic, but it's kind of crazy. He owns a hundred Amazon trucks, 20 semis and 80 of those, you know, those like van looking things that yep. we see around. I didn't, I didn't realize this at the time, but Amazon, those aren't owned by Amazon. No. They just have Amazon wrapped stuff. No, you actually, yeah, you can buy into Amazon and subcontract it out. That. You got to have, I want to say it's like 30, and this isn't a sponsor for Amazon. No, you got to have not. like 30 grand to start it. Cause I was looking really? at doing this like two years ago. Yeah. You got to have like 30 grand to start it. So you just throw 30 grand at it and you can buy up a little Amazon hub and then you hire drivers and they That's send what it to you. Yeah. yeah. But he was telling me that. He, he's already gone through this year 150 employees because yeah. of here in Texas, the turnover rate because it's so hot and so whatever. Yeah. And it's just rain. I know this is not, this had nothing to do with Ukraine. It's very That's interesting wild. stuff. But he was telling me the F 16 when he brought it up. I didn't know it wasn't pressurized. I didn't know that. It's not? No, he told me it wasn't pressurized when, when they were flying in the F 16. It wasn't pressurized. So he'd get up to like 35,000 feet and his blood vessels in his eyes would burst like every single time. And this is when he was younger in like his lower 20s. It's, wow! Yeah, yeah, I didn't know there no, wasn't pressurized because we were talking about pressurized cabins inside the bigger planes because he flies the the one way or the <clears throat> the nonstops to to Asia, all yeah. those those routes. And yeah. he was telling that the newer planes are pressurized at five thousand foot, and I didn't know that. Like the brand new ones, the older ones that we've been flying around for a long time, those are at eight thousand. And I didn't know there was also four pilots on those planes. I didn't know that they actually give them. It's, it was actually really interesting. They give them all first class seats, mm-hmm. all first class seats, and they have a sleeping quarters yes. in the front, and then right. also there's a sleeping quarters in the back. For well, it the, depends on the, the flights. Yes, well, the ones the Asia, the real long ones. Yes, is what I'm talking about. So they right. have some in the back for the flight attendants as well, yep. and they just rotate shifts. And I'm like, right. my God, 
Yeah, no, yeah. My brother, he's now, or my brother-in-law, he's now a pilot for Southwest Airlines. So I get to hear all this crap. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know all that. It was kind of weird. Anyway, let's go back to Ukraine. Yeah, a little random off-topic thing. Yeah, so go ahead, and pull up the uh, dual screen right here, and I like this because oh, this is, okay, yeah, I like this article. It actually came out from Task and Purpose, and for those of you that don't know, Task and Purpose is a big military yeah. uh, site, but they did a really good job on this article. Is and the logo black and white? Is that the right one or no? Say what? Am I thinking about the black and white Task and Purpose? Like their logo is black and white. I'm cutting you off. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. We'll pull it up to the front because I don't want to lose a spot no, on the article fine. because this is where the, the meat and potatoes is at. But the M1 Abrams tanks will help Ukrainian forces exploit openings in Russian defense lines. The head of the Ukrainian Defense Intelligence Directorate, Lieutenant General uh, Budunov, said. But this is what he actually says. They should be used in a very tailored way for very specific, well-crafted operations because if they are used in the front line and are just in a combined arms fight, they will not live very long on the battlefield. Which I think we've already said this a few separate times. Yeah, he's saying it in a very political way. He says they need to be used in those breakthrough operations, but very well prepared. Okay, so we're talking about um, shaping operations have to be done prior to these things going in. And before that even happens, they have to have other tanks and other armor go in and right. then they go in at the, so, so nothing more. <clears throat> I'm going to say that these Abrams are going to be used as, well, well let's look at the ammunition. Photo op. I, I wouldn't stuff. call it photo op. No, let's look at that. So if they send them into the front line to go like clear, let's say enemy infantry, for example, right? Enemy infantry is very hard to spot. It is. Yeah. It's hard to spot. And you need the ground troops basically to spot that because one ground troops are not going to be like shooting, you know, 762 with freaking tanks, yeah, you know, no. trying to get their attention. That's like the opposite of what you do. So they hide out and they wait for their AT guys to go in and take them out. Right. So they need to clear a lot of those guys out. But the ammunition that they supplied for these Abrams tanks, it was the DU ammunition, the depleted uranium ones that we talked about. So that tells me, and combined with this, the way that this Lieutenant General is talking right here, is that they're going to use them basically to hunt out enemy armor. Right. Because if they send them in ahead of time, and we're going to see this video here in just a second, eh, my man, eh, we'll hold on to that video. But if if you send them in ahead of time, it's going to look like this this graveyard of steel that's just out there. So they got to use them for very specific purposes up on the front line. They're not going to be that like you know crux that they need to break through this whole thing. It's not going to be like that pivotal moment. You send in the Abrams, bam, it's all there. Like we knew that. Now it's being confirmed by that guy, which is pretty cool. That's good. I think. I know. I mean, that's. I'm just. I'm just glad that he actually said it because a lot of people think and they they keep putting putting that thing in their their headlines. 31 Abrams have made it to the front line. Yay! Yay! Yeah, yeah, yeah no. it's not, that's not the case. And it's not even 31 Abrams. They even break down in this article and they let you know, like, hey, look, uh, the Ukrainian government's not disclosing how many arrived. We've talked about it for a while, but the figure that we got was 10 were due to arrive in mid-September, and now they're finally there a little bit late, but that's what you get with military logistics. Yeah. So maybe 10 are there, but they did say also in this article that Ukraine is expecting an additional 30, expected around an additional 30 from the United States as well. So we might give them a total of 61 tanks. Okay. In total. Which 61. Will which, make a pretty dang good dent. Okay. But we're right. still going to need to give them more. Well, yeah, because you got to expect win. losses of these yes. tanks as things goes on. But the F-16s, how about the F-16s, my friend? So while we got it up, Netherlands to deliver first F-16 jets to Ukraine in 2024. This article is coming out of huh. Politico, which I don't really care too much for, but they did a really good job on this article when they're talking about it. So what they're talking about is that these F-16s are due to arrive in 2024. Now, the... Pilots to fly these F-16s, their training is expected to take between six to eight months. 
And I really think you got to lean on the eight month side of that when you're expecting these to come in. And they were supposed to start training in September. Now they're saying like, well, maybe as late as October. So do the math and count them out. You're looking at spring to summer of next year of when these F-16s are actually going to be operational inside of Ukraine. We've been talking about these F-16s for months. Mm-hmm. And they're... I, <laughs> now, again, they also specifically stated that, look, these, these again... Inside of this article in Politico, I wish I could scan through. I don't want to read it in front of everybody. I should have prepared myself a little bit better. But what they say inside of this article is that, look, these are more or less for aerial defense and not so much for the ground troops as well, right? Like they okay. need it to secure the air over Ukraine. And so these, are again, aren't going to be that big of a game changer for those ground troops. I'm sure they'll be used, you know, for some shaping operations and things like that. But again, they need to make sure that those pilots know what they're doing because the worst case scenario would be you're supplying aircraft with minimum training. They send these things up over and the pilots have a catastrophic failure and the thing goes down. You know what I mean? And that they're not prepared to take care of emergency situations with this aircraft. Additionally, they need to make sure that they know the ins and outs of those things like it's nobody's business. The United States government actually said that they need to make sure that those pilots get English training before they go on. Oh, that should have been, this should have been, should have been a, a no-brainer. Yeah, and I would yeah. think that they would do that before they do it. But they said they need to make sure they get English language <laughs> training before they even go that into F-16 be, training. That shouldn't be something you even said. Because, ah. Yeah, so... Good news, F-16s, if you if you want like an update on the F-16s and when those are going to arrive to help out the front line, it's looking like that's not even going to be scheduled until the spring to summertime now. Spring to summertime. So anybody that was expecting those F-16s to go into the fight this year, wrong. People still expecting this war, like, not people, I guess, they're still expecting this war to go past this year through this winter and into the next, which means they're going to have problems in 2024 with election season coming. Well, the Kremlin stated that they just, they, they're expecting this war to be over in 2025. And that they're going to dictate it when it's going to be done. 2025. 2025. And I say Kremlin, I think it was Shogu, actually, that I'm quoting on that one. 2025. 2025. Yep. What in the absolute world would make him think that he that it's going to last that long? Is it because you're just after 2024 is over with, the elections are going through? Probably. Is that why? They might just be trying to hold out on that, but I don't think that we're also that pivotal either. I think that Ukraine will continue to fight even without our support. I think that Ukraine's going to suffer a lot if we pull our support. And I'm it's sure going to be fight. really, really yeah, bad. Of course, they're going to fight. Yeah, they're going to continue but, to fight. I mean, but the amount. Pivotal, what you're talking about there, we are extremely pivotal in the, in the fight for with the Ukraine. I agree. One, the one thing we're talking about today is legitimately American stuff. Abrams tanks and, and F 16s. Yeah, yes, it's literally, yeah. come on, think about that. I mean, it's about as pivotal as it gets. Right. There's nothing less well, pivotal. Well, right that's now just than the thing, that. though, is it's not pivotal. We just said it wasn't pivotal because those M1 Abrams tanks are going to be used to basically hunt and kill enemy armor, and they can't be really if, used if they in keep just combined arms operations. And they keep giving them more. And they keep, I mean, that's pretty pivotal. If they continue to do it. If we continue to do it, because they are going to lose Abrams tanks. Yes. They one, are going to lose no Abrams, doubt. and yes. they're likely to lose some F 16s as well. I don't doubt that because they have pretty good um, ground air inside of Russia. It actually has some decently ground air. Um, Defenses like um, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm like wow, air to ground munitions. That's what I, or, or ground you. air. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> really man, brain fried. Uh, brain, brain just farted there. All right, so <laughs> and now here's some other here's some other good news. Well, I don't know about good news, but it speaks to kind of the state of the Russian military force that I dug up because okay. I always like to dig in a little bit deeper because you have what's happening on the ground and then you have morale of troops, right? And that morale absolutely affects how those troops are going to fight on the ground, particularly like the Russians and the Ukrainians. Yeah, we know Ukrainians sense. are motivated because they want to kick Russia the hell out of their country, but how are the Russians doing when it comes to it? This is a post that I found on, do we call it X now or Twitter? I, I don't know. Twitter or X? Uh, I don't know. So these are telegram messages um, that this person had intercepted and brought up, and they're all about uh, wives that are looking for their husbands in the Russian military. 
And then when you start reading them the where they're from, this is the 70th regiment. And where's the 70th regiment at right now? Outside of Rabotnia and Rabov. Okay. So they're down there in that fight right now. Now, some of these things took place all the way back in as like late ago as August. Some of them are all the way up to like present day. But there's apparently just a ton of these messages. So it says, I'm looking for my husband. He was in the 70th Regiment. Please tell me, does anybody know him? We couldn't find him for weeks. We were told that he was wounded and then disappeared. So if you remember how me saying that the Russian government or the Russian military is basically hiding their KIA. Yeah. And they, they don't want to pay out the insurance and everything else. They're not even telling the families about it. The families are missing. And here's another one. In the 70th Regiment, in my opinion, it is generally very difficult to find people. They evaporate. Even a shepherd counts his flock when he takes it out to the pasture. But then they lose people. They are not counted. Sorry, it's a cry from the heart. I've been looking for a husband in this regiment for two months. That's wild. Wild. Where where'd you find these? Oh, I see where you found them. I got you. What? I mean, whose account is this? Uh, we can pull it up in just a sec. No, yeah. Yeah. And we'll go take a look at it here in just a sec. Um, so on a contract with the field mail. Oh, field mail. He's a senior sergeant, second military unit, motorized rifle regiment, 42nd rifle division, 58 combined arms army. My God, they need to learn how to shorten that stuff down. Right. Um, he was the same area, Robotney. And 21, he left for combat missions. There was no more contact with him. Please help. So, like, something like that. He left on August 21st. He has no contact. I mean, there's times where I guess you can go a month and some change without having access With no to contact. I mean, that, but when you have other members of the unit, which are likely leaking at, yeah. reaching out, think about, sure. like, wives groups and stuff like that. Maybe this guy's an asshole. I mean, maybe he's an asshole and doesn't, doesn't have any friends, man. Of, I don't know. Maybe but he doesn't want to be part of anything. And then I believe this is the last one. Maybe someone has information. Please help. My husband, Mikhail Vladimirovich, uh, again, 70th Regiment. According to the stories of a colleague, he died during artillery shelling on August 25th in the southern direction of Verbov. Neither the unit nor the Ministry of Defense gives the answers. The military uh, registration and enlistment office answers. Wait, if anyone has any information on this situation, please write hmm. in a personal message. Thank you. That kind of sucks for these people. Yeah, I mean, well, so, you know, I've said it before. I, I started to feel, I don't want to say bad for enemies, but, like, I started to understand, like, as the global war of terror kind of, like, went on yeah. in understanding their position. Like, I, I don't agree with their position by any means. The Taliban, Al-Qaeda, you know, ISIS, they're all horrible people that we fought. However, when you look at how they were born, how they were raised, information that was given to them and the things that they're doing, and that's where I draw the line. I say they're horrible people. So how they were raised information that they were given and what they know to be true and how they're acting. But the actions that they have are completely and totally unjustified, right? Like even from an objective standpoint, when you start looking at some of this stuff. So I do feel bad for some of these people, you know, when it goes into this, but at the same time, they're horrible human beings. Like some of the stuff that they're doing is just unjustified in general. So you want to take a look at this guy's account? No, I don't need to go through this. Guy's right. fine. I was just curious. Yeah. So here we go. This is going to start talking about, um, this is going to start talking about uh, uh, Robotnia and it's going to start talking about Robov. Now, supposedly that that town just to the south of Robotnia that they've been pushing towards there yeah. on the outskirts of. I've seen unverified reports and I'll say it again. I've seen unverified reports that they are now entering that town or on the very northern edge of that town about to push into it. Now, this portion of the podcast is sponsored by Delete Me. Have you guys ever felt like the entire world is out to get your personal information? Like they're trying to get your phone number, your address, your income level, your sexual orientation. What part of you guys side with? It's really never ending. And yes, 
by God, do not Google yourself because it's going to be scary what pops up and you'll get freaked out knowing what kind of data out there is on you. And it's a constant battle to keep your private data private. And that is why I use Delete Me. I run over there. I registered on Delete Me, told them what to look for about me, and they were able to discover what sites had data on me and take steps to get that data removed for me. And that is my favorite part because they were able to get sites to remove the data, which is great because this is a massive war we are facing right now with these big companies in your personal data. It's your personal data. Now, it feels good to have someone on your side, doesn't it, to get this task, to complete it, because without them, I would be helpless. If for some odd reason they cannot get it removed, they will actually give me recommendations on how to get it removed myself. So if you guys want to you want to get your personal information removed from these search results on the web, you guys need to get Delete Me a try. Now get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com forward slash truth and use promo code truth it will be linked to the very top of the description that is the only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash truth and enter promo code truth t-r-u-t-h at checkout that's joindeleteme.com slash truth promo code truth thank you so much for delete me for sponsoring this portion of this episode over and for Bove, it looks like they there's totally unverified reports that ukraine has pushed about halfway through for both. Now I did some digger deeping on that. And what that came from, that that information that the Ukrainian troops have made about halfway push into Verbov had to do with uh, a Russian that 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 put out some information. So a Russian soldier on the ground, he was the only one that said anything about it, saying that Ukrainian forces have had made about halfway through. Now nobody else has said that. And that came from like a Russian mill blogger that was supposedly in contact with a soldier on the ground, and that's what that soldier on the ground had said. But that is the only report of it that came out. I read into ISW. ISW kind of looked at that and they were like, Yeah, it's unverifiable. We still don't think UAF has pushed halfway into the town. So if you're counting on that information to call it the new frontline trace for Ukrainian troops going into Robov, likely not. Right. They're likely not up there. So they're still not saying with certainty that yes, UAF has reached halfway into Robov. They're still likely on the northern edge of it going in and it's going to be a hell of a lot more clear but this is what's interesting this is what's interesting afu started an apocalyptic as a russian sources call them use of artillery bradley's strikers marauders and challengers um unconfirmed he says just to be clear um are now present outside of that town what has started tonight will be bloody godspeed i'm not too much of a spiritual guy but i will pray for the afu boys i think you should too godspeed for the victory so I looked into this guy. He and we can go over here and check it out because this is the information he's saying is it's that they're of, now launching a massive attack. Yeah, I know this on Rabov that started overnight. You do know him. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about him because all I know um, is what I've been I've, able to I've, find. I've got some information off him over the last couple of years or whatever. I think he's pretty good. Is pretty it credible. accurate? Yeah, pretty yeah. credible. Yeah. So if you <laughs> if you say he's credible, apparently yeah, he's fairly credible. UAF has yeah. now launched a major assault that's going on up into Rabov. So right Rabov. On the northern edge of Verbov. Can you pull that up on the map for everybody? Yeah, of course. So this is, we are on the northern edge of Verbov, huh? Yep. Okay. So, see, see, has he nothing's even updated on this edge? No. I, I know that, man. Yeah, so, again, you know, and I would assess, like, that halfway through is probably ah, right next on that line, what they're line. talking about. That's how, a new line. Well, it was up there last time. But was it? Okay. Yeah, so even if Russia did have those defensive lines, it'll become a lot more clear when I show you this video of why they're so stacked up outside of the town. And you'll see a little bit more why. They're just getting hammered because they just have this tiny little narrow corridor that they're attempting to push in the town through. Hmm. Was, so you, you want to see the video? 
Uh, is it bad? Is it good? Eh, Do you have something else you want to throw in between it? No, let's throw it up. Uh, oh we'll show God. that in a little what bit. In yeah. The world? I just find crazy stuff, man. Okay, so I'm going to cut out the first like 10 seconds of this video. I found this on a site called BitChute. Never even heard of it before. Don't know it. But uh, yeah. So Empire Z. Um, so yeah, definitely the Russian POV. This is... this is this is the graveyard of steel. This is them showing you what the graveyard of steel looks like. Can you see all that? No, I see. That's that's on the main route leading into the town, or what? That's what I believe it to be. Look at all those vehicles out there. You know what Holy we ought to do? I ought to take crap. this back to that ten second mark and blow it up for yeah, everybody. Yeah, probably should to blow this. up. Yeah, because it is it is wild. This is now the first ten seconds is still smoking vehicles, so there's plenty of still smoking vehicles out there. But this this will show you guys at home what I was talking about when I told you this place is turning into a giant kill zone. That's all armored vehicles. It's up armored Humvees. Like Humvee you can see APCs. Too. You can see everything out there. Look at that. That's Look crazy. at the amount of armored vehicles that are just wrecked on their way into that town. Wrecked all the way out. Okay. How wild is that? Hmm. So this is, I mean, this is what, you know, UAF is up against as they're attempting to push in that town. They've got huge overwatch on that on that route going into there. And as long as that's their only route to be able to push into Verbove, you know, and we're talking right here in this area, like I said, it was likely the Russian POV, you know, that's looking out from there on this area. If that's the area that they're looking at, and that's, that's the amount of armor that's crushed within there, the amount of fires they have concentrated on it, those troops are just going to be going through hell down there. And that's likely why we're not, and, and, and picture what was happening in Robotnya when the fight was going on over there yeah. and the amount of information and videos that we were getting coming out of there from the UAF side. There was constant UAV footage. There was constant, you know, like POV footage from the troops on the ground, cell phone cams. Remember I did that like uh, geolocate thing, the cell phone. We've yeah. got nothing like yeah, that coming true. out of this right now. The only thing that I've seen was that video that we couldn't show in the last one of that soldier that looked like he was on the edge of town that got freaking hit by the RPG. That's it. That's hmm. it. So none of the other information is coming out. And that, just that lack of information Plus videos like that, plus all the, the the kind of side talk and chatter that I'm hearing on like the different channels is kind of telling me that they are held up pretty hard outside of there. They're being hit like like hard. So now UAF decides, you know what, we're going to concentrate already on that place and we're just going to hammer the crap out of that town. So I think that's what they're doing is they're just leveling everything to the best of their ability before they they launch this assault. But. What about the one? Did you say they're just south of Robotny? Was yeah, there here you go. So on? this map is not, according to a couple different things that I read, um, just south of Robotny in this town right here, Nova Preparica, um, all the UAF forces are apparently at this line right outside of the village right now. So they have this chunk is likely taken out, and they are now right here outside of the village ready to stage their assault. Okay. So that's pretty significant that, honestly yeah, okay. on that that's good so they're, they're actually starting to make some 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 decent chunks inside of one small area well really what it looks like to me and if uaf is doing that and it would be wise is they're attempting to divide the attention of the russian forces so if you know picture battle of the bulge scenario i know how much you like it how the u.s was able to flex troops to different areas in order to repel the germans from attacking them yeah. making them think that they have a larger force if that's what Ukraine is assessing that the Russians are doing in this area. Now, I read another thing that assessed that Russians likely have around 40,000 troops right now down in this area, generally speaking, around 40,000 troops. That's a ton. That's a lot of people. That's a ton yeah, of dudes. That's a lot. That's a ton, right, down in this area. So if they just attack one little tiny area like Verbov on this little narrow access, they're going to continue to get hammered. But if they manage to actually push through and break through and get down to this new defensive line, well, hey, now they stand a chance because they're dividing forces up. 
So they continue to put pressure. And I think what they're going to do is they're going to put pressure until they find a weak point in one of these two towns. And if Ukraine was doing a feint operation, acting like their actual operation is going to take, and this could very well happen, Ukraine can be pretending to be throwing troops at Rebov this whole time and now launch this major artillery assault while really all their foot troops are going to start going and hitting this town and actually enter it and get a good foothold. And that's going to throw Russia for a loop if that's what they are in fact doing. I wonder how long they have until they're pretty much screwed with weather. Uh, a month at best. Hmm. A month at best. I'm trying to remember. I I got there hmm. first time I was there. I believe uh, I can't say time frames. Um, I I, I they gotta have a little bit more than a month. I mean, we're sitting in September. They're gonna have a little bit more than a month. <sighs> it's gonna set in, man. And it's not. I'm not talking about the cold. I'm just talking about. You know. Precipitation. Yeah, no, it's all, I don't care about cold. I'm talking about how wet place. it is because we're talking about track vehicles and stuff. That's all I'm, I'm talking about. They're going to yeah. dig massive ruts. You already know they're going across those massive open fields. Well, again, go back to that. Refer back to that video. Yeah. Refer back to that video where it showed all that armor being knocked out. Where were they not? And a lot of those. Where was a lot of the armor knocked out at? Mm. On the roads. Yeah. Where was a lot of the armor not at? Yeah. Well, out in the open fields. Open fields. Well, for one, they have to worry about mines and open fields. The and amount else. of mines yeah. that are probably out there is staggering staggering which is probably why they're ignoring them and going on so it is forcing them so even at that now you have a much narrower corridor for those armored vehicles to pass through and when that hits that's nasty that's nasty i don't i, I wouldn't want to be in the shoes of any of these guys right now to be no. truthful i don't nah. no hard pass no and like we like we said last video i think this is about to be one of the those pivotal crux moments of this war as to whether or not they're able to break through by wintertime because if they do break through Russia is not going to be able to go out and start digging things out in the wintertime. They're just not. No. Yeah. Did you have anything else on the mother tab? They did about 40,000 tabs on top of the thing. Oh, yeah. No, I got a ton this of tabs is, going great. on up here, man. Yeah. No, I this got is a, great. Oh, that's that gentleman. What do we got going on here? Uh, for a- which? I saw the next one. It's ATC Adams. This one? Yeah. So What do we got going on here? So this guy I really love because he kind of breaks things down quite a bit. Um Radu Hasu breaks things down pretty well. But what he's talking about, he, he goes into how he feels things are going to be used. It's really a lot of opinionated stuff. But he goes down and he breaks down the um, capabilities of a lot of these these weapon systems that are in place, like the M777 Howitzer, the M109, um, the HIMARS, the range of the HIMARS, and then the new ATACMS, which is supposed to be arriving in Ukraine. Um, that just got approved for them, so it should be coming in sometime in the future. But all of these things that they're talking about, this is the range. Now, when people are looking, and I have the deep state map pulled up right over here behind it, and I think it's really important for people to understand, just because the front line's here doesn't mean that's where their artillery's at. You're never going to move your artillery pieces up to the front line for obvious reasons. So even though they're here, they got to be way back here in the white space to go. If Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you're yeah. not going to... And you want that stuff to be well hidden because if counter artillery ends up finding it, then they get smoked. And they lose pieces, which right. they don't have a lot of pieces to lose. No. So they're all set probably likely somewhere back in this area, right, as we look and we go down. And the reason I pulled up Deep State is to give you an idea that M777s, okay, let's say they're all the way back here in Orkiv. If we go back all the way here, they have, what, a 20-kilometer range? I don't want to support you. <laughs> they all have a 20-kilometer range, okay? And when we look at this, you know, for, like, their max effective range or whatever— Here's 14.48 kilometers from all the way just outside of Orkiv all the way down um, into Rebotnia and this new village that they're about to push in. If we take that and we flex that over down to Rebov, they're kind of on like that that little last movement. So those artillery pieces, if they have M777s, are likely somewhere back in this area, mm. if that makes sense. Now let's go back and look again. What do we have? The M109, 40 kilometers, right? So we can double that. So from 
if we look at this and we go, okay, well, from uh, this current front line, let's go all the way down to Tokmok. How far is this distance? Once you start getting down there, it's 32. So if they have them in there, they're well within that range for the 109s, not for the M777s, right? Those M777s are going to have to be moved up somewhere in this area in order to reach Tokmok. And they're likely to have more M777s, okay? So down here over in this area, now you're at 20 kilometers, right? And they're still within there. So really, when you start looking in here, even if we were at the max effective range for these guys, whoops, I pulled up an extra one. Hey, I don't want that. Get out of here. Stop. I oh, know you're pulling up a ton right there. I get what you're saying, though. So they got to put, they got to get them down there. But the They've got to move this line quite a bit if they want to get those triple sevens in the fight. Now, the high Mars obviously, are going to be able to reach it. Yeah. You know what I mean? No problem. The high Mars will be able to touch it. But everything else, you really need to start moving that line forward to start getting some of that artillery effect for those reinforcements that are coming in. Now, what's crazy is I read something else uh, from a Russian soldier complaining. I lost it. I don't know what I did with it, but it was a Russian soldier that was complaining about the equipment that the Russians had up on the front line versus what the troops behind them had. And he said there's a ton of troops in reserve that are stacked all the way back, you know, on this map as you look going all the way back. He said there's plenty of reserve troops with the Russians, but what we bitched about is the same thing that you and I used to do back in the day, which is why do these remfs, why do these rear echelon guys that are not in the fight have all the upgraded equipment? They have the winter gear. They have the upgraded optics. They have some night vision cable. Like they have all these different things in the back, which the frontline guys that just got flexed and shoved in there real quick didn't get fitted for. It's because they got control of everything. Say what? It's because the, the guys in the rear have control of all the stuff before it gets to the front. They have control of everything that gets to the front, but it actually leads me to believe of something else. They have the equipment. They The Russian troops started to get all that upgraded equipment, but they can't get it to the front line. You know those ground force commanders want that upgraded equipment for their troops. Yeah. And so it makes me wonder if they have upgraded equipment down south below of where all the fighting's taking place, they can't get it up there. That tells me that they're having resupply issues as well. Hmm. I guess I never thought about that either. So I start looking at like things like that as it goes into the fight. You know what I mean? And if, if Ukraine's going to have a breakthrough, one, just the amount of meat, what would I say? 40,000 troops, yeah. roughly estimated. It's, again, nobody knows, okay? But that's a estimate that I heard and we're just throwing it out there. Okay. But if they have roughly 40,000, hell, even cut that number down. Let's say they have 20,000 down in the area in a defensive position on the offensive assaults, particularly on entrenched positions, you want a three to one advantage. So Ukraine's got to have at least 60,000 troops just to pour through that area to guarantee victory. Think about that's, that. That is, that, well, that's a stout number. That's a huge stout uh, number. That's a stout number. That's a huge stout number. Unless, unless they outsmart them and, Really, I mean, do some some like general, like old boy behind me stuff. Right, like, and, the, and I, the reason you got to have more troops is particularly for that video. If we got to go back and show it to the people to drive that point home, I will. But the reason there's so much armor out there is because they're attacking defensive positions, mm-hmm. and they already have their big guns trained on that area in very open areas. In with, very open areas, with TRPs already set all the way through the entire world and beyond. Yep. So Ukraine's been hit pretty hard up in the past about making sure that they have. You know, like all like they're actually committed to the fight. And if they really are doing this big assault the way that they're doing it right now with that, like they are committed to this fight and they're going to throw everything they have at it in order to like get success on it, which I find just just kind of rather amazing. Now, here's a video from the front line that's down there outside of uh, that's outside of above. And it supposedly shows a bunch of uh, artillery strikes and things like that um, that are taking place along the front line down there. And how stale, how credible this video is, I honestly couldn't tell you. came from this oh, guy, wow. Wolf. He's, do you know Wolf? No, I, I'm just looking at the... I was just watching the video. Yeah, so this is your second 
um, verifiable second source of information that comes overnight. The AFU launched a large scale attack on Robotnia Verbovline, which was met by massive Russian artillery strike and attack from tactical aviation. So as they were making that assault, not only did they get already shoved in them, but they also got hit with aviation. So they're up, they're up for a fight. They're up for a fight. F-16s would absolutely help in this because they have a huge standoff distance. They'd be able to start knocking some yeah. of these things out the sky before that. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's, it's just wild was taking place. So they're going at it with ground forces. Russia's hitting them in defense with artillery and with freaking aviators. Hmm. So pretty, pretty incredible stuff when we go down. Now, on the counter, Russia um, last night hit port facilities. So dropping away from the front line. So Russia continues to attack grain and port facilities. Um, I, I don't think that's any surprise to anybody as we go down. And then we also, as we look in, what was this one about? This was good. Here we go. So this is, a, uh, this is an article that I found on CNN today. And when you start digging through some of this stuff, you know, I... I you got to get a weed through it pretty good. Yeah, pretty you got to weed through them. So they titled pretty the article sick. Inside Ukraine's Offensive Out in the East. Okay, so this is them talking to a Ukrainian soldier that's out in the east. And this is what I find really interesting. Wagner's back. Okay. Wagner's back. We are breaking through their line of defense here, and we are hitting them well, Groove says. He says the Russian mercenary group Wagner, responsible for much of Russia's gains during the winter, has returned to the area. Yes, Wagner is here too. They came back, they swiftly changed their commanders, and returned here. Why is that important? Hmm. So... He's talking about up in the east in this article. We didn't touch on it, but they're they're talking about specifically over in like Bakhmut up over here, right? So they're talking about up in Bakhmut, and they actually brought Wagner back into Bakhmut. As we all know, Wagner had pulled out of there, right? Like back in, what was it, June? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. June timeframe, they pulled out. Well, you since then, Ukraine has been making territorial gains. While incremental, they've still been making gains in Klashivka and Drivka, all around Bakhmut, and they're, they're continuing to push forward on the line. But they brought Wagner back into the area. That means to tell me that Russia is not willing to give up this terrain. Why would you bring back a group of mercenaries that just tried to overthrow? You have to be desperate. Or if you your, really... mil- your military just sucks at holding any type of area that has to do with uh, um, buildings and what am I trying to say? Residential? Uh, come on. What's the word? Oh, my God. I'm having a total brain fart. Population? Today. Civilian population? No, I'm talking about like whenever, they, whenever you're, you're going to go assault a um, Military operations, a town, urban terrain. Like a, like a, the urban terrain, yes. Yeah. They, the Russians have struggled just in general with urban terrain operations, like completely. Yeah. It's like significant. So that would make a little bit of sense. I don't know who is running Wagner now. I don't even think that there were much of anything. I did see this morning when I popped on, there was a, a, a airplane full of Wagner that went down. Did you see that video? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was over in Africa, though. Yeah, it was. I yeah. just I just thought they were doing most of their operations down there, and, and we were just talking about this yesterday, I think, about the fact that they were having to go against Al-Qaeda and so on down in Africa mm-hmm. here very soon, which that should be real fun for them. That's almost the most pointless battle ever. But Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I hope they get their teeth kicked in, honestly. I, yeah. I don't. I don't. I mean, they're fighting Al-Qaeda, so I want them to win, but I also don't like Wagner. So it's kind of like, it's kinda like a, whoever yeah. wins, it's honestly a victory for anybody in this world. You know, hopefully they both just decimate each other and the world's a better place. So that's what we got, my friend. Good. That's what we got. Wagner's back in the fight and we will see over the next couple of days what kind of mm. unveils itself in this major assault that Ukraine has launched. Okay. Well, thanks for hanging out with me, guys. I, uh, I will catch you guys tomorrow with another episode. Thank you so much. I do love you guys. We're out.